Hello everyone and welcome to our podcast Back to Nature. So I'm here today with Miss Katie Cantwell-Jones and today we're going to be discussing sleep. Uh, So sleep is obviously something which is absolutely paramount to our physical health and our mental well-being and just our overall functioning. You know, we need to we need to rest, we need to replenish, and we need to be getting an adequate amount of sleep consistently, you know, to, to be functioning well overall. Um, and it's clearly an, an integral part of our existence. You know, the average person spends around 26 years sleeping, uh, and we also spend around seven years just trying to get to sleep. So in total, that's around 33 years of our lives spent in bed. Um, yeah, I, I think people seem to you know neglect uh sleep and maybe not put enough thought into you know ensuring that they're getting adequate sleep or reflecting enough on the on the quality of their sleep or their sleeping environment yeah I completely agree I think sometimes we lose sight of the importance of sleep and things like blue light from phones can disrupt our natural sleeping patterns and also just getting caught up in society a bit maybe things like work means that we don't pay enough attention to I need for sleeping and I think it starts at quite an early age I remember at school hearing of so many kids who stayed up till like four in the morning just trying to finish work but obviously that's a really unhealthy approach to sleep and I just think it's such a vital thing that we um, are more and more so neglecting yeah, for sure. I think we're we're disconnecting in some ways from our natural sleep cycle, I think. And and as you say, it's it's the nature of society that has meant we have chronically bad sleep, you know, because we're trying to squeeze sleep in as though it's another task rather than following the natural patterns and, and needs of our of our bodies and our and our minds you know like like animals do I mean animals sleep when they need to sleep <laughs> and that's how it should be for us but because of all these external factors um, it just often isn't isn't the case insomnia is such a kind of pervasive problem in in society and it's I think it's becoming more and more pervasive um, I hear about so many people who have sleep problems troubles getting to sleep and then they end up resorting you know to to medication um and then as you say as well i think tech and you know the blue light from screens is a huge problem as well you know producing tech induced insomnia as well and and it i think it just confuses our brains you know because it exposes our brains to this to this blue light thinking that it's that it's daytime that we're in waking hours but in fact, this is the time when we should be sleeping and we tend to not, you know, prepare ourselves for sleep. I mean, Katie, do you have much of a, um, a kind of nighttime routine to prepare for sleep? So I've always prioritised sleep. Um, I know that if I don't sleep, then I get very grumpy. Um, and I'm also somebody who goes to bed really early. I mean, if Shannon and I are hanging out, I'm often the first one to say that I'm really tired and I want to go to bed. Um, so I, I guess I do kind of have a bit of a, a routine for bedtime, uh, about an hour before bed, sort of acknowledge the time and start, I usually make a cup of tea, camel first, um, and then just do the sort of 
uh, normal things like brush your teeth, etc. Um, and I do occasionally read, but I also do occasionally um, fall victim to technology and find myself on YouTube or something for half an hour, an hour. Um, and I often regret it in the morning because I feel groggier. And it's because the blue light interferes with your melatonin levels um, because our pineal gland regulates that. And with light, well, it syncs up with light, basically. And that's our like circadian rhythms. And so the blue light basically causes us to get out of sync with this. If it's out of sync, it increases things like depression. Because, I mean, things like insomnia have been proven to increase depression and even things like suicidal thoughts, which is just insane, the effect of how sleep deprivation can affect you as an individual. I guess this has been a really long-winded answer to do I have a sleep routine. Um, but, yeah, I guess I've always just been aware on the fact that sleep is such a necessity and so really make sure to have something solid in place but of course do um, occasionally slip out of that but what about yourself Shannon? Well I am staying at Katie's actually for a couple of days at the moment we're just hanging out recording some podcast episodes and last night we went to bed at, at 10 o'clock which was probably the earliest I've been to bed in in quite some time which was quite nice and I definitely needed the extra sleep as well because I'd I'd had quite a, a wakeful patchy sleep um the previous night so I was quite glad to get about about 10 hours in um last night um and and I definitely got this this sense from from Katie that she has quite a calm kind of pre-bedtime routine um and and uh and I have that to some extent but I think it just depends I think I just lack consistency with my with my routines sometimes I really make an effort and I'll meditate and I'll stay off my phone and then I'll have a read uh, but sadly I just think that isn't often enough um, and sometimes I'm just I'm finishing things off and thinking about things that I need to do tomorrow and I'll be grabbing my phone and setting a reminder you know to make sure that I don't forget something so I think I just don't give my brain enough warning that I'm you know going into sleep mode and I think that's that's really what I need to do and establish consistency so then I have a, a routine so that my body receives these signals that okay Shannon is going to sleep now let's let's prepare for shutdown <laughs> because I guess when you do go to sleep it's a bit of a process for your body to and mind to kind of ease into that state it's interesting that yeah you were talking about how detrimental sleep deprivation can be Um, and this is something that we definitely wanted to touch on in this in this episode because we think it's important uh, you know that that people are are aware of the scale of the impact that it can have in so many areas you know both mental and physical health and personal relationships not only health issues but also just you know cognitive performance and, and motivation sleep can have a huge impact on those as well as being linked to mental health problems as as Casey mentioned. Yeah it's interesting how sleep deprivation not only affects physical aspects of your body but also mental. So not only do you suffer or more likely to suffer from things like anxiety, 
depression, paranoia, and an impulsive behavior. Um, it can also trigger mania in people who have bipolar disorder. Um, and also, you can end up experiencing microsleep during the day, which can be really disruptive because you sleep for very short periods of time. But imagine if this is happening whilst you're driving, and then it can cause serious risk. And also, things like work or school you're losing out on a lot of valuable time where you could be productive um, or learning and so I guess that leads on nicely to the positive effects of getting enough sleep so I think some of the most notable is that your cognitive functions or your cognitive abilities are improved and also things like performance and concentration I mean, there's got to be a reason why they tell you at school to get enough nights, a good night's sleep before tests and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Having a short sleep, you know, it hinders brain function, not only the next day, but, you know, for many days after that. And I think research has shown that, you know, one night of sleep deprivation can cause changes in in behaviour and cognitive performance, you know, not just during this period of sleep deprivation, but during the recovery phase too so your body has to almost adjust and and recover in in one of these studies i think dur- during a a 10 day period of sleep deprivation participants accuracy scores in answering questions dropped to an average of 95% um and their response time slowed by by 7% over the over the course of the test i mean this might not seem like a huge difference but um, you know, I think if this is happening chronically, uh, it's 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 definitely quite significant in the in the context of of work and school, and in the context of a test as well as as you say, like a you know a test or something at work, you know, some some kind of meeting, anything where you have to be really on the ball. You know, those sorts of changes, um, you know, can really have have an impact on on performance. Um, so un- undoubtedly, you know, it is it is really important and. And having plenty of sleep does make you, you know, sharper um, and and more cognitively sound and receptive and, and you know, quicker. I mean, for sure, a, a good night's sleep, I think, you know, comes more easily to some than others. You know, some people are plagued by insomnia. I think some people are more wired than others and struggle to wind down. And I think some people are just naturally sleepier by nature, I suppose. But there are certainly some universal things that everyone can can do to at least improve your chances of, of having a good night's sleep. Um, so we're just going to discuss some of those now. Firstly, as we've alluded to a little bit already, uh, I think having a you know a, a routine in the evening that you that you follow is 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 really important. And and as I've said, yeah, this is something that I can definitely work on myself and being more consistent with that. Doing the same thing every evening for about an hour winding down before you before you go to sleep I think Katie mentioned having a cup of chamomile tea yeah having having a cuppa but preferably no caffeine because that's you know probably going to get you pretty wired um, and you don't want that before you before you sleep Um, also you know some kind of meditation or perhaps you know some kind of lying down meditation or you know a body scan if you're if, if you're that way inclined you know toward towards mindfulness perhaps uh reading you know some people like like to read before bed i mean that doesn't necessarily work for everyone i think some people find even even reading it can can be too stimulating but whatever you do just avoid avoid screens and you know try and establish a you know a routine that's that's regular and consistent 
and then you know as, as, as I mentioned as well I think you know avoiding avoiding caffeine you know in the last few hours of the day and avoiding alcohol really close to bed and you know not not having a really late meal either so giving giving your body time to digest your food before you prepare for sleep um, and obviously you know just making sure that you go to bed at a fairly reasonable time but I think I think the length of the sleep is more important and also the the consistency in your in your cycle you know whether that's 12 to 8 or 11 to 7 or you know one one till nine you know whatever whatever kind of fits you and your in your schedule do you think there are any other universal tips katie that we should kind of offer to our audience you know secrets to getting a good sleep definitely i think a key one as well is getting exercise in during the day so whether that's going to the gym some team sports i think just being physically exhausted can really help with that and i mean i know personally once after having like a really intense workout, I am absolutely ready for bed. Even if it's just doing a simple yoga routine before bed, I sometimes used to do that as well. Just go online. There's a really great YouTuber called Yoga with Adrienne, and she does some nighttime routines, and they're really great as well. They just help you wind down, um, get into that sleep zone. And I think also another thing that a lot of people are guilty of is they work on their bed. And that can really make it difficult to disconnect things like work and sleep. And so it's really important that you reserve your bed for solely sleep and nothing else. I mean, you could also read in it, I suppose. But um, just those kind of relaxing activities or sleep-related activities, because it is really important to make sure you keep that distinction. I used to actually be quite anal about that at uni. Um, I used to get made fun of it quite a bit. But I just, I cannot stand working on my bed because I know that it makes me struggle to sleep that night. So I think that's another tip. Just make sure you do only really use your bed for sleeping. And sex. (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's the other thing. (laughs) Whatever floats your boat. Kitchen table. I prefer the floor. (laughs) But yeah, no, I do. I do completely agree. I think I, I used to be guilty of that, actually working in my bed sometimes, but it, it just it just doesn't put me in the right mindset. I think I think it almost tells my mind and body that I'm preparing for sleeping if I if I go to work in my bed and then I'm just not on, on top in my performance in, 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 you know, work or studying or or sex or sex. <laughs> indeed. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But yeah, I yeah, as as I say, I I agree that that's um, important. I mean, I I also think we should talk about napping um, and the the value of napping, um, and you know how long an ideal nap should be because I think there's a lot of controversy over that. Some people say don't nap at all; it's just disruptive to your sleep cycle, and people often just wake up feeling feeling groggy. Um, but there are definitely mixed mixed opinions on it. I mean. What do you think, Katie? Do you do you take naps? I'm a massive nap advocate. I think though it really depends on the individual. I have um some friends who say that just napping completely disrupts their sleep and they really struggle sleeping that night. But for me personally, power naps are the way forward. I absolutely love them. Just ten to twenty minutes in bed. It just really helps me re-energize get my head back in the right mood and like focus it also helps me shift headaches sometimes 
I have found though, so I used to be a culprit for napping for like an hour and a half, two hours. And it feels beautiful at the time, don't get me wrong. But when I wake up, I'm so groggy and I need like another half an hour just to sort of recuperate and regain some kind of energy because I'm just literally exhausted from napping, um, which seems so counterintuitive. But yeah, I've learned from that to now just power nap instead. And it's quite a tricky art to master. I'm quite lucky because I fall asleep quite quickly. Um, so I can just, within like that 10 minute space of time, I actually do fall asleep. Um, but I know some people try to power nap, but then end up accidentally sleeping for an hour. And so that's you know something that you really need to avoid if you're doing that, because sometimes I power nap at work and I couldn't just take like that whole hour out. Um, but what about you, Shannon? Are you much of a napper? I can be a napper sometimes, but I usually regret it because I I usually mess it up. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm not very good at napping, but sometimes I get tempted, and I have definitely not managed to master the art of power napping, and it usually results in me sleeping for an hour and a half, possibly two hours. This actually happened a, a couple of days ago. I'd actually just been been uh to the gym and I got back and I was exhausted and I thought oh, I'll go and take a little power nap and then uh, and then I'll get working and I'll feel great um and yeah that was definitely um a bad idea set an alarm snoozed it went off again turned it off said okay I'm gonna get up and then obviously I fell right back asleep so yeah um I would love to master the art of power napping though and I hope I will one day, but I think there's going to be a lot of trial and error along the way. Um, but I, I was actually quite curious about, I guess, the, the science behind napping and why we feel so groggy and awful, you know, if we nap for, you know, an hour or two hours, whereas if we manage to nap for, you know, 25 minutes and then force ourselves to get up, you know, we feel refreshed. And it's actually to do with, with the four sleep stages. Um, so there's one for the rapid eye movement part of sleep um, and then there's three that form the the non-REM parts of sleep and they're they've essentially been determined kind of scientifically based on analyses of brain activity during sleep um, so the the first stage um, is that brief period you know three or four minutes just before you properly fall asleep and you're almost semi-conscious but probably having lots of kind of strange dreamlike thoughts you know it's almost that transitory phase before you ease into the dream world or you know the the sleep world and then and then the second stage uh which lasts any time between 10 and 60 minutes which i think is why achieving you know the perfect power nap is so is so difficult yeah so this so this second stage is is also non-rem sleep but so so it's this quite light sleep uh, kind of before you sink into a deeper sleep and that deeper sleep which is called delta sleep slow wave sleep as it's sometimes called as well that's that's stage three um, so that will happen you know sometime between 30 minutes to an hour after you start to fall asleep I think you know it varies for different people so obviously that the, the sweet spot you know you want it to be before you enter into delta sleep um, because if you if you're woken up during during this deep sleep phase, you know you're you're likely to feel um, very groggy because you have to kind of make this adjustment almost from you know deep sleep to to wakefulness. Um, and 
and and because it's it's this incompleteness i think of the of the cycle um which causes you to feel even worse you know after napping if if you nap for you know more than more than an hour i suppose but although this sleep cycle is common to everyone there does seem to be such a huge amount of variation in people's experiences of sleep in general you know in terms of people's ability to nap people's ability to to get to sleep and just people's kind of sleep habits and patterns they just seem to differ a lot and I wonder I wonder why that is well one reason for this could be um what is deemed as a different chronotypes of people so supposedly there are four different types and two of them require less time to fall asleep than the other two. And so maybe the fact that some people can fall asleep quicker helps with napping. But I do think these chronotypes are quite interesting and could be used in a way to maximise your sleep and make the most of your day as well. So supposedly, um, as I said, there are four types. You have lions, bears, wolves and dolphins. You can do a quiz online to figure out what type you are. And lions are very early risers and also go to bed very early. And they tend to be most productive during the morning. And so if you're a lion, it's recommended that you do follow this early rise, early to bed routine so that you can actually so that you can make the most of your day. Bears make up the majority of the population. And they tend to be more typical sleepers, getting up at a decent time in the morning and going to bed at a reasonable time as well, probably around 7am going to bed around 11.12. And they peak in productivity around late morning. And so the lions and bears both only take around 20 minutes to fall asleep, but they also need longer sleep. So they have to have around five sleep cycles and these last around 90 minutes. So in total, they tend to sleep uh, 470 minutes per night. And on the other side of this, you have wolves and dolphins. So wolves are your classic night owls. I don't know why they didn't just call them owls, um, (laughs) given that association. But they wake up a lot later and go to sleep a lot later. And they tend to have a lot of energy in the evenings. And I can definitely think of a couple of people (laughs) who are like this. Um, then you have dolphins who are really light sleepers and often diagnosed with insomnia. Um, so for them, they need the least sleep and they it's actually best for them to wake up early and go to bed really late so that they're actually really exhausted when they go to sleep so they can sleep well. And both the lions and, uh, not lions, sorry, the wolves and dolphins, they need around 40 minutes to fall asleep and only need four sleep cycles. So it takes them, well, every night they have around 400 minutes of sleep. I just thought it's quite interesting how we have these four different types of sleepers um, amongst our population. And, um, you know, after reading about this, I can really, you know, picture people who fit these criteria. I think me personally, I'm probably either a lion or a bear, but I would recommend looking it up. Um, and doing the quiz because it's just a bit of fun but also it can really help maximize your daytime and your sleep time yeah and I, and I think that is really important kind of figuring out the pattern and cycle that that works for your body and I think having defined periods in in the day you know where you're expending energy and then you know 
preparing for sleep, recovering, replenishing, you know, relaxing. I think having really distinct categories is, is, is one of the keys to establishing, you know, a really healthy sleeping routine. You know, it's why I like to get up and then get, get to work quite, quite soon after I, after I wake up and be, you know, using and expending energy and then doing some kind of physical exercise during the day and then just reaching a point, you know, a clearly defined time where, you know, I switch off from work and, and relax, you know, and then have a stage, you know, where I'm actually preparing for sleep and then obviously the period of replenishment uh, while you're actually sleeping and and uh, recovering and sometimes I'm you know more successful at that than at, than other times but I'd say that's that's the goal really. I know um, Shannon you said that you've started developing this sleep routine and is that because you've struggled getting to sleep or is it just because you want to get to sleep faster? Like why do you think for you as an individual it's important that you establish this routine I mean as I as I say I definitely think that it's important for you know for, for everyone to, to have a sleep routine I think just objectively you know that's what is best for, you, for your body but I suppose for me personally my motivation I mean it's it's partly about just general life satisfaction I think and and just being fulfilled um I think I I get a lot of fulfillment just from, you know, being productive during the day, but then also really enjoying my relaxation time, you know, spent with friends and family and my partner. So I think for me, kind of having that distinction is is important. And it, it just brings me, I think it, it will, once I establish this routine consistency, I think it will bring me kind of just more um, peace and, and clarity, um, I would say, in, in general. So yeah, I guess that's my personal motivation for that but I've I've never had problems with actually falling asleep honestly I think I fall asleep in 10 minutes most most nights the majority of nights I mean for me it's more about staying asleep uh, or at least or at least having having a peaceful sleep well you know it's it's not that I wake up and then can't get back to sleep but often I I sleep talk sometimes I might sleep walk a little bit uh, as I mentioned I'm staying over at Katie's right now and and last night I got up in the in the night and I was a bit panicky and I, I thought there was a stranger in the room apparently I think I suppose that was perhaps a part of the dream that I was having or something like that but that's quite a regular occurrence for me I'm quite in some ways I'm like I guess I'm a bit anxious in my sleep and that's reflected in these disturbances that I have um, and you know that can have an effect on my personal relationship as well you know if I'm sharing a bed with with my partner which is which can be a bit problematic. So that's something that I that I want to try and work on and and resolve, you know, so that I so that I just have a kind of peaceful, consistent sleep and I'm not, you know, waking up and freaking out and making noises in the in the middle of the night. What what about you, Katie? I mean, do you suffer from any, you know, sleep disturbances like that? Or or do you do you have any trouble sleeping or are you generally a pretty, you know, pretty deep sleeper? I tend to sleep like a baby most nights, to be honest. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a deep sleeper, but I certainly don't struggle getting to sleep. And if I do wake up in the night, give me five minutes and I'm straight back to sleep again. But I haven't always been a great sleeper. When I was younger, I used to really struggle getting to sleep. It would take me like two plus hours of laying in bed, just trying to fall asleep. Um, and I absolutely hated it. 
and I honestly could not tell you what helped me get out of that but I think a lot of my problem was induced by anxiety for some reason I was just really anxious about going to bed I hated the idea of being the only person up at night um and I hated even more the sounds of other people sleeping because it was kind of like rubbing it in my face and also feeding into this fear of being the only person awake. Um, so I think maybe one thing that helped me just in general was becoming less anxious during the day um, and learning how to deal with that anxiety. And because it was quite a long time ago, again, I couldn't tell you how I managed to do that. But there are a couple of things that I do remember doing. And that was um, creating like a mental place of retreat and peace. And so if I found myself getting into this sort of state, then I would try and create that place in my mind and sort of just rest in it. And also using... um, the time that I spent awake to reflect instead of to manifest my anxiety I think um just by sort of distracting myself from this anxiety it then helped me sort of just fall into sleep without realizing it and so I guess just as I got older I got better and better at it until it just became an actual thing that I didn't even have to think about anymore um and I'm quite grateful to be honest that I did have that when I was younger because now I get to reap the benefits of having overcome it um, and I can just sleep solidly. So it's just quite interesting how I feel everybody has some kind of struggle with sleep at some point in their life. But I guess it's just a matter of taking steps to overcome it and then using what you've learned to stay in that good sleep habit and sleep routine. Yeah, yeah, I can I completely agree. But it's definitely something, you know, that everyone can think about and reflect on. I mean, one one thing we haven't discussed um, is is dreams. Uh, you might have been waiting for that to come up, but that's actually going to be uh, the topic for our next episode. We just think dreaming is such a an interesting, complex, and, and rich topic, and we think that you can, uh, you know, really get a lot of meaning and understanding really from your from your dreams as well. So we thought we'd dedicate. Um, a whole episode to it rather than trying to to squeeze that into into this one so until next time everyone uh for a discussion about dreams bye